It feels weird when you're in a role, uh, you see a problem and you don't necessarily have the space to solve it. Uh, I like the space to solve problems, to create new things. Maybe I have a bit too much energy, but I find this kind of experience really rewarding. What we are doing is trying to shape something that doesn't exist yet, and this is just a fascinating experience. Hey everyone, and welcome to For the Love of Product, brought to you by the Product-Led Alliance. I'll be your host, Tiama Hanson-Drury, Chief Product Officer at Mina Technologies and all-around passionate product aficionado. Each episode, we'll be looking at the head and the heart behind product-led growth, the passion and the practice of product, and we'll be picking the brains of seasoned CPOs and heads of products, as well as visionary founders and investors getting their inside stories. Hello, everybody. I am so excited for you to be here with another episode of For the Love of Product. And today I am joined by the fantastic Chloe Mackay. Uh, she's going to tell us all about what she does, but a little bit of background on who Chloe is. Uh, she describes herself as a multidisciplinary problem solver who's passionate about humans, innovation, and growth. Uh, sounds like a perfect profile for the product world. She has experience working across startups, scale-ups, and corporate labs, everything from early stage ventures to scaling successful product market fits. She brings over 10 years of experience creating and launching products to merge those business needs with those uh, sometimes elusive user needs. And she's super passionate about putting the impact of great products in the hands of users so they can have a great product that improves their lives. Uh, Chloe, welcome to the pod. Hello, Tiama. Hello, everybody. And um, thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. And where are you dialing in from or zooming in from today, Chloe? London. London. Okay, perfect. Well, we're super happy to have you. Um, let's uh, very first talk a little bit about what you're doing today. Uh, what, what fills your days and um, what are you going to talk to us a little bit about? I'm going to talk to you uh, about a very fun experience, which is basically working on creating a new startup in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> I love it. I can't wait to hear about what caused you to do that. <laughs> well, it's basically, it all started with, uh, as we know, uh, the beginning of this pandemic last uh, March um, that hit us very hard, very quickly, without us necessarily expecting it. And basically, this massive transformation, very meaningful transformation of suddenly everybody working from home. Uh, we quickly realized that there was a small problem with this new setup, uh, which was basically uh, longer hours, endless video calls, and a blending of uh, professional and personal lives that really didn't help with uh, uh, employee happiness, basically. They were uh, quickly a uh, very clear sign of uh, isolation issues, low team morale, loss of motivation, um, and that is why, basically, uh, me and my brilliant co-founder, Milo, we decided to uh, create this new product called Doozy to help recreate um, the, uh, the world of social within team, uh, the world of social that used to happen in the office, but this time online. Amazing. And do you remember the point when you and Milo decided this is something we need to do? Was it like a, a you know, a conversation you had over coffee? Was it a, a something that you realized after you were watching your teams try to adapt? How did it come about? 
Well, it wasn't a face-to-face coffee, that's for sure, because we uh, obviously we we met when uh, it was already everything was closed down, um, and like everything in life, you know, like it didn't exactly happen um, in a very straightforward manner. Meaning, uh, basically, one day, uh, I think it was last April, I received a message on LinkedIn from this guy called Milo, whom I do not know. And um, he basically contacted me because of my previous experience uh, working in tech companies. And uh, he was starting to build his own uh, in that space. And he wanted to have some uh, advice. And basically, we he picked my curiosity. We had a first chat. Um, I really loved the guy straight away. I loved what he was doing. And um, we basically, through conversation, little by little, um, decided, uh, I decided to join and we decided to pivot uh, the proposition from EdTech to the future of work and basically uh, working on this new product, uh, Doozy, which is uh, all about uh, making online uh, work a more happy and connected experience. I love that. So can you give us an example of how online work will be different with Doozy than it was before? Yeah, absolutely. So at the moment, basically what we miss in teams is that um, we don't have those random moments that we used to have, you know, like, for example, uh, having a quick chat with your colleague that is sitting just nearby, grabbing a coffee with another colleague, meeting someone downstairs, you know, like picking, uh, picking up lunch, all those kind of moments that are fundamental to building a good team spirit. And what has happened is that um, without this kind of connection, we quickly witness as a society, we quickly witness uh, uh, the fact that teams are not necessarily as collaborative as they used to be and working um, efficiently. Uh, so spotting that problem, we decided to uh, focus the specifically on everything that is not related to work, but at work. I know it sounds like a funny space, but um, the platform offers the opportunity for people to create a team where they will be able to uh, basically gather as a team, uh, connect through live uh, video rooms, uh, have activities, either their own, or they can pick one up from the marketplace with professional partners. Um, But basically the whole idea is just to provide a space for fun. It's all about social and it's not to discuss a work topic. As somebody who has been managing virtual teams throughout the pandemic, I think that uh, I speak for probably all of them, as well as many of our listeners, that this sounds like something that would be really welcome for people. How would, uh, if uh, someone's listening to this and thinking, I'd like to give my team doozy, how would they, how would they find out more about you today? Are you guys, you know, in beta? Are you live? Like what, what's your current status? So we are in both situations, in beta and live. Uh, so basically, uh, I'm a big fan of a quote that I continuously use uh, uh, since the beginning of my career in product, which is, if you're not ashamed of your product, you launch too late. Meaning, obviously, the point is not to be ashamed, but um, the point is, uh, you, when launching something new, completely recreating something that doesn't exist. And you, we are in the space where we don't exactly know what's going to work in Doozy or not. We are providing this space where it's a safe, permanent space for teams together. Uh, and um, But 
and we are providing loads of different branches of experiences, but we don't necessarily know which one is going to work. In order to understand what really resonates with users, we decided to basically launch live as quickly as we could so that basically then we can learn from direct usage, which is extremely important for us. That's fantastic. And I think uh, it's something that a lot of people would like to be more brave about doing. Is this something that you and Milo, you know, were nervous about going live before all the kinks were fixed set? Uh, or was it something that you both shared a vision on wanting to kind of get out there, get the product in the hands of uh, your potential users and, and get feedback? Oh, definitely both really eager to get out there. In fact, we even, uh, uh, if we dig deeper into the strategy, what we uh, discussed was a, a two-step strategy where initially, uh, before Christmas, what we've done is that we reused what Milo had already built uh, before I joined the company, which was basically a quiz platform. We reused that quiz platform and launched only with a quiz format. Um, for two purposes, A, to support teams during the Christmas time, you know, like as a kind of a moment where quizzes are very popular uh, and there are uh, loads of quizzes application uh, on the market, but not necessarily tailored towards uh, the world of work, but more towards, uh, you know, like edtech. So the product may be a bit too childish for uh, work teams. Um, so we started with this MVP pre-Christmas, um, we launched and we started to learn um, on different things related to what uh, is a good social uh, experience uh, for users. We quickly incorporated um, different things that we use as metrics. So for example, one example that I love to uh, mention is the fact that we incorporated within the question emoji reactions to see how people uh, experience a quiz and what was actually happening in terms of emotional reaction uh, throughout the experience of the quiz pre-Christmas. Uh, so that was a great uh, learning curve, but we knew from the very beginning that uh, uh, this was just a starting point and post Christmas, taking all of this um, uh, data and the experience of um, uh, this first experience of providing uh, activities to work team, we then uh, grew, grew our product to be this um, permanent social space where you can uh, yes, of course, still use quizzes. Uh, we, we, we we didn't uh, throw away this product. No, it's still a, a good one, but it's only one component of the whole platform. So now what people have when they land is uh, live rooms where they can, for example, uh, meet straight away uh, in a click, like people that could be, for example, having lunch in the uh, kitchen. Literally, we called it the kitchen. Uh, having lunch in the kitchen so people know that around lunchtime they will find other colleagues in that room and they will be able to join if they want to have uh, their lunch with them and have a quick chat but they will also be able to have specific activities at specific time for example you know like let's say I'm uh, passionate about baking I will be able to uh, show off <laughs> and uh, invite my team members to have a baking session maybe uh, after the show and tell on Friday um, and have a bit of a social time together. We uh, we always knew we are going to grow, grow grow further than just a quiz. So, I, as sounds like your MVP has you know really evolved from there. Where do you guys see yourselves at today? Do you feel like you've kind of found your best versions of yourselves, or are you still very much in the discovery phase and trying to reach product market fit? 
So we are, uh, I think we would be forever learning. We are uh, really mimicking what's happening at a societal level. Um, we were constrained worldwide to start working online uh, without necessarily knowing uh, how to do it. And what has happened at the moment is that um, what we see is that we've just replicated what you used to have in uh, the office while working online uh it's more than uh just you know like uh, creating all of the friction points that we've mentioned early on such as you know like video zoom being uh, very taxing it's also a missed opportunity because working from home is really uh provide a lot of opportunity for example to work more asynchronous uh meaning people have more time to do better work, a more in-depth work, uh, while you know, like spending less time dealing with uh, in the space of conversation. So we are still in discovery. We will be for a very long time because it's matching uh, what is happening in the world in terms of the future of work. We are not quite sure yet how to make it work. Uh, we know it offers a great opportunity, but uh, it's a fascinating space where people uh, Doozy, but also a ton of other companies are trying to figure out how we can work more efficiently and in a more flexible manner. Yeah, and that's a really interesting area. I assumed that that's kind of one of the trends you were thinking about as you guys both decided to do this venture together, but also today, because you know the ways we work are changing, but the ways we live are changing. So Absolutely. can you... Yeah, can you give me some examples of some of the data points that are really influencing your guys' thinking uh, in this area? Yes, so uh, funny that you mentioned that because one thing that really influenced us from the very beginning was uh, all the publication on the topic. There was... Uh, a ton of research uh, published every single day at the beginning of it. And even now, it's you know, a space that is really fascinating, uh, the world of media, but also the world of uh, academic research. Um, people are, it's, it's funny how the world is trying to figure it out. You know, like we, we see that there is a paradox between, you know, like a super high level of enthusiasm of people who want to continue working from home at least several days a week. Uh, but in the meantime, we also witness uh, more and more symptom, symptoms of um, burnout. Uh, people uh, are working longer hours and and it's a uh, uh, it can be challenging to separate uh, professional life from uh, personal life when you work from home uh, so there is this great paradox that uh, is fascinating uh, myself but definitely not only me and uh, uh, loads of people are working on it and there are always a ton of publication coming uh, online um, I've mentioned media, uh, I've mentioned academic research, but there is also, of course, and it must be mentioned, uh, the company leading in that space, such as GitLab, for example, or Basecamp. You know, like they have been working remote for a very long time. Uh, they published loads of uh, guidelines before the pandemic, and now they are really uh, at the top of their game. Uh, uh, and, and it's also fascinating just... Um, just today or yesterday, I was having a look at the, the number of companies raising money in that space at the moment is really, it's absolutely insane. There, there is a huge interest uh, to really redesign the way we work. It, it's just when you think about it, it's, it was going to happen in any case because it's just crazy to spend two hours 
commuting every single day. You know, like that's uh, an average uh, for people who live in cities. Two hours that can be, you know, like allocated towards doing something you like, a sport, you know, like uh, spending more time with your family or things like this. You know, it, it's it's it used to be a situation that didn't make sense anymore. Absolutely. Well, we uh, we will look forward to watching the doozy journey and seeing how it may play a role for our teams um, in the future. So keep us keep us posted. I'm excited to learn more. I want to take a, a step back, uh, Chloe, and understand a little bit more about you as a leader. How how have you gotten to the place where you were ready to take such an amazing but also brave step to have someone reach out to you on LinkedIn? tell you about an idea that you liked and decide, yeah, I'm up to uh, take on a co-founder role. I'm, a, I'm up for being a CPO. Um, tell us about your own, le- your own leadership journey. Well, I've always, it's going to sound, sound like a stereotype, but I always love solving problems. I've always loved created new, creating new things as well that were a little bit out of the box just to experiment with new formats. I remember when I was about a, uh, 15, I've created this event because I have I had a bunch of friends who had a band, like everybody else, uh, and I had other friends who uh, were uh, painters or, you know, like uh, in this kind of space. And basically, I've created this event where, uh, it was a very small event, of course, but I've created this event where I blended the two format together and they influence each other while uh, in the live performance. And I thought that was very, it, it's always very interesting to be creating things that are just bridging uh, gaps between uh, different worlds. And basically, with this kind of motivation to explore with a passion for human beings, uh, always I wanted to be an anthropologist when I was uh, younger. I've um, started with uh, a degree in communication, digital communication, because I also had this passion with tech. Um, and then I started with uh, my career in supporting small startups. But when I say small startups, they, it's not like what we have in mind, like uh, Google in a garage. It's more like uh, um, small medias, local medias. I remember starting to work for a local radio who was trying to do podcasts uh, before podcasts was a thing. And I've done uh, their digital uh, assets for them. Uh, I remember doing UX design while launching their uh, first website with a podcast, just because, and keep in mind, UX, that was quite a long time ago. So UX design was definitely not a thing, but it was just purely logical to make sure sure that people could find what they were seeking uh, on the, the new website. Um, and from the startup scene, I quickly moved to the uh, scale-up scene, post-product market fit situation where you have a bit more of a certainty around your product and uh, you just need to find a way to scale it and you have to find a way also to grow your team. So I've contributed to... Um, Uh, shaping and growing several product teams, fascinating experience. And then from there, um, a few years ago, I was contacted by a big corporate uh, and they were building a lab and they basically invited me uh, uh, to help them set it up. And uh, 
I thought that was a, a fascinating experience. So I couldn't resist, despite the fact that uh, my intention was never to work for a big corporate. But uh, working for a lab, I thought, was a, a good experience to have because uh, potentially the best blend between uh, an established brand with uh, a lot of credibility and budget uh, and a lab with uh, a smaller format and a more uh, and more will to experiment. Um, uh, the experience has been uh, fantastic, but it's true that it's uh, a corporate can never match the speed of a startup. It's just not the same. And to end, um, we are now going back to a very very early stage startup with Doozy. Absolutely. And I imagine that that says something about kind of if you've worked on the scale up side, you've worked on the startup side and you've worked on the established side, even if it's in an innovation lab. Sounds like uh, sounds like you like the startup environment. Is that right? Absolutely. I just um, um, it's it feels weird when you're in a role. And, you know, you see a problem and you don't necessarily have the space neither the mandate to solve it. You know, it's a. Uh, I like the space to uh, to solve problems, to create new things, uh, and it's uh, maybe I have a bit too much energy, but uh, yes, it's, uh, it's it's I find this kind of experience really rewarding. And we with Doozy, what we are doing is trying to shape something that doesn't exist yet, and this is just a fascinating experience. Absolutely. So uh, oftentimes when we're speaking with, um, you know, CPOs versus, you know, founders, we, we like to dive into whether they identify with more the head or the heart when it comes to the passion of product. And you're a really interesting um, person to ask because you've got a career as a product executive, but now you're also stepping into the role of founder, co-founder. So when it comes to kind of the head or the heart of product, is there one or the other that you believe you identify more with? I'm going to cheat a little bit and say that uh, I'm really both. Um, in fact, it's uh, something I've battled with in my career. Um, at the beginning, uh, I, I started with uh, in the space of digital communication. Then I moved to UX design, and now I'm moving back to. Uh, I've moved back to product management. Um, it's. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it's really a bit of both. Uh, it's always have been a blend of those two. And, and I think it, it's kind of representative of the way we use data as, at Doozy as well. You know, like I always say, I'm data informed, not data led, because what's really important is to consider both data, quantitative data and qualitative data to really understand the what and the why. Um, I think it's the magic come from the blend of those two. Uh, you know, it's just like the two sides of the brain, you know, like the logical side and the creative side. Uh, the, the magic spot is really when you blend those two. Speaking of the magic of that, um, one of the other topics that's always an interesting one is CPOs and founders and CPOs and CEOs and how you divide up the work and the area. So how how does it work with you and Milo? Obviously, he was able to build a product, um, or, uh, the quiz product before you joined. How do you guys look at kind of product responsibility and product ownership um, at UZ? That's a great question. Um, we, I think we are very flexible. Uh, there is a lot of work, <laughs> as you, I'm sure you can tell, and there are not many hands on deck. Uh, so uh, we, we basically... Um, 
uh, I, that's one thing that I really like with Milo from the very beginning is that he is a curious engineer. He's super talented in his domain, but he also he has a very UX side uh, to everything he he does. So uh, that was never a problem, and that was always something that I really appreciated because you know you take shortcuts when uh, you when it's only basically two to four people. Um, and he was always capable of uh, filling in the gaps that I was leaving behind because uh, I'm also in charge of other things such as, you know, like marketing and communication. So I leave uh, sometimes a fair amount of gaps behind me and Milo is uh, brilliantly uh, applying UX uh, techniques uh, uh, um, to solve them. So that's brilliant. Um, in terms of how we organize ourselves, we work extremely collaboratively. Um, we tend to to design things together uh, so that we make sure both, uh, but it's not only the two of us, so uh, we are a team of four. We design things together so that we all understand the why uh, behind what we are doing. Uh, the way we prioritize is super collaborative as well. Um, it's, uh, it's really very collaborative. And in the meantime, uh, once we have planned, we divide and conquer. Uh, to make sure that we are as efficient as possible. Uh, but uh, so there is a lot of uh, work that is done extremely collaboratively. And then some work we plan to uh, tackle uh, individually. Sounds like a great, a great partnership so far. What do you, uh, what do you kind of see the future of the product function looking like at Juzi? I mean, you've now worked in such a variety of places and such a variety of product organizations. What are the things that you know you want to have within your organization as it gets um, kind of built out over time? Well, that's a great question. Um, and it's uh, funny because I was starting to think about this uh, the other day. We are discussing funding and things like this. So we, we are hopeful we will be growing very soon. The product function, um, I think I would love to have people that um, have a diverse background. Um, meaning people uh, that come more from an analytical side, people that come more from a research side, people that come more from a, a UX side. I think diversity in the product team is extremely important, diversity in terms of background, um, but also diversity in terms of uh, uh, all shape and size, you know, like in terms of age, in terms of sex, in terms of uh, uh, origins, uh, I think. I think all of that needs uh, to, to happen in order to build the best product for everybody. I love hearing you, you talk about that. And that's one of the things that is also close and uh, near and dear to my heart, right? Um, how to build inclusive products, but also how to leverage diversity and inclusion to build better products. Um, tell me, you know, how have you seen the, the kind of concepts of diversity and inclusivity and then the worlds of product uh, change throughout your career? Have you seen them grow closer together? Um, you know, do you see a clear alignment between those? I'm curious about your perspective. It has become a major concern, I think, for uh, uh, for top leaders. Um, I think it's uh, an excellent thing uh, to embed uh, diversity and uh, uh, will to be more inclusive. Um, I, I, and to be honest, it's a, it's a must-have. You know, like it's a, 
we we need to progress as a society we need to uh, make sure that the product we develop uh are shaped for everybody you know like we all know the the scandals that happen with uh, uh all kind of products that couldn't de detect uh facial recognition programs that couldn't detect a uh, um, uh, black type of skin you know like that, that is something that, that that should never happen uh it's a uh, it's just extremely important that we have in our teams a, a representative panel of what is in the world so that we build product for everybody. It's just, uh, it shouldn't be a question. And I'm glad to see that uh, uh, people are really uh, in that space uh, and trying to make that happen. Um, it, yeah, because that's, that's uh, a must have. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. So uh, I'm curious now, uh, if you had advice for either um, current product owners or current product executives wanting to build a product, or excuse me, build a company around a product they're passionate about, or uh, on the flip side, you know, to potential founders um, who are thinking about building a business around solving a product, what advice would you give uh, to them? Just do it. <laughs> it, sounds, <laughs> it sounds easy, but seriously, you know, I'm a very process-orientated person. Um, I really... I, it, I really love when things, when people speak the same language, uh, to be more flexible on top of the process, of course. But I, I'm, I really think about things in a very organized manner so that, you know, like the experiments that you launch in your product are the most scientific possible and all those kinds of things. But in the meantime, in the world of entrepreneurship, you just need to get started. Uh, it's fascinating, you know, like after... Uh, after all those years to go back to the world of startup because you do things in a way you you know like you wouldn't uh you wouldn't agree with but you know like it needs to happen and you know like you need to take shortcut and what matters is what reaches the user so you know like just go for it if you have an idea just try it don't let uh blockers stop you such as you know like yes but i can't build it it doesn't matter there are a billion way to experiment with your ideas and to see if it resonates with users uh without building it you know like uh um, uh, if you, uh, I don't know, if you have an idea around a specific topic, you can uh, uh, launch a, a webinar to see if there is any people who want to attend. Uh, if you want to launch a new tool, you can use Miro as a starting point uh, to share it with a few people. You know, like there are so many ways to be to get started. Even if you're a product manager yourself and you don't have an engineer uh, uh, by your side, you can start testing new idea on your own to see if it resonates on that. There is really, and it's such an enjoyable journey building products, uh, and, and the idea behind the product is just uh, uh, something that I, I'm maybe I'm a, I'm a bit too biased, but uh, to, uh, just just get started, and once you you're started, you're just hooked to it. <laughs> I love it, and the way you describe it is one really inspiring, but two. I think you do a great job of helping people understand that to get started, you don't have to have everything figured out. It can be just testing the concept with uh, a small group of people and go from there. Absolutely. And in fact, in any case, nobody never have a perfect scenario. You know, like if we are waiting for a perfect scenario, uh, nothing would ever happen. 
Couldn't say it better myself. Okay, well, so this is a nice lead into the question that I always ask uh, the guests of our show, and I'm really excited to hear your thoughts. So um, file this under the vein of uh, if you have the ambitions for a great product, just get started. If there was a museum dedicated to the world's most important products or the world's most successful products, uh, ones that I guess we'd say we're both really glad someone just just did it with, um, what products do you think should be in the museum uh, and why? Uh, interesting question. I love this type of question. There is a, about a billion product I could mention in that space. Uh, my first uh, answer would be for people to go and check out what's happening in the world of uh, uh, future of work. There are a billion amazing uh, new propositions that are uh, already live that are really interesting. But to answer your question, I think the number one I'm going to pick up would be, um, so I was very lucky to um, be welcome in uh, Magic Leap offices, uh, Magic Leap, the company who works with uh, mixed uh, realities. And basically they build a, a headset that is absolutely fascinating. Uh, I... I did try a few VR and AR headsets before, but this one was very special because what happened is that it was interacting perfectly with the environment we were in. So we were in a room and there was a couch in front of me. And I remember having this ball in a, a fake ball uh, in a, a, a VR. And basically I threw the ball and it bounced perfectly on the couch, which is in, I don't even know how they achieve that. You know, it bounces on the first cushion and the back cushion, then bounces back on the middle cushion, and it, it really it could have been a real ball. Uh, it wouldn't have been uh, more realistic. I remember also the second thing that really, and that's why I'm mentioning this product over others, is when I threw another ball, it bounced back behind the couch, and the sound of the ball because there was sound as well. The sound of the bouncing ball was muffled. You know, like like if it was a real ball and the, the going behind the couch, uh, the, the sound was muffled and uh, basically uh, vanished. Uh, and that was just a fascinating experience because it's just what I love with tech is how can we use tech in the most invisible manner possible to better serve the human being? And that's that's really why I started in the world of uh, UX is how do you make it disappear? It's just like the best experiences are completely seamless and you, you don't see them. So that's really uh, an amazing product. But there is another product I would like to mention because... Um, I like to take things out of the world of digital only. Sometimes um, I think we, we may focus, we think all of the answers are uh, digitally based on technology, but there are plenty of good products out there. Uh, and the second product I will mention is um, simply the bike. I've been fascinating by bicycles since I was little. Love the concept, love the fact that it really helps you to commute from point A to point B in such a uh, uh, more pleasant manner, you know, like very easy. You don't have to struggle to park or be stuck in uh, traffic or whatever, you know, like it's, it is a beautiful product that I absolutely adore. In fact, uh, I'm going to be uh, <laughs> transparent and say that uh, um, I have had a few bikes uh, in London. They tend to disappear and I name all of them. 
That's so funny. It's so true. I I am with you on that. And the uh, accessibility of those bikes, man, what a game changer for me during the lockdown. I think lots of people feel that way. So, um, so it sounds like as you've iterated through from that original concept of quizzes to where Doozy is today, you've had to probably, uh, you know, fail fast, uh, kill a few ideas along the way. Any tips on how you've been able to keep focused and keep uh, forward momentum as you you go through iterations? <laughs> kill a few ideas, kill a lot of ideas. Um, I think it's very, that's an excellent question because it's very important to start from the standing point that um, your ideas are assumption. You are not sure, you may be entirely convinced that this is the best idea in the world, but you are not sure of anything until you actually confronted it to the user and the user is starting to use it and come back to it. It's very, very important that you test early, often, regularly, iterate continuously, and test early, fast, and cheap. It's very, uh, again, you don't know if it's going to work, so don't allocate a of time and effort, find the easiest route you can um, to test your idea. So you can uh, even you know, like uh, on a paper start to uh, uh, draw a few wireframes and put it in front of a few users. Make sure that of course those users represent the target audience that you have in mind. That's extremely important. Um, but really. Uh, stay away from technology as long as you can, uh, because that will take uh, time. And uh, the idea is to get to data as soon as possible. Um, in fact, I'm actually uh, giving a keynote on that topic uh, in the CPU event, which I believe is on the 12th, isn't it? On the 19th, the 19th of May. Ah, fantastic. And for anyone who can't make it, any uh, any tips or any tools, things that you think would be important for people to check out? Well, there is one thing that I'm a big fan of, which is called Strategizer. Uh, they recently published a book on experiments that I highly recommend, very actionable and very, very clear, even for people who are not product professional. Uh, so definitely grab that one. Uh, I'm not <laughs> related to them in any kind of way. So this is just a, a free promotion for them. <laughs> really adore what they, what they do. And I've also written an article on this um, that is called Kill new idea fast uh, that is available on Medium uh, with a template uh, of uh, basically a testing process with a hypothesis and all those kind of things. Oh, fantastic. Okay, well, we'll be sure to link to your Medium article on uh, when we promote the pod. And that way we give everybody who's curious um, access to that template so they can put this into practice. Excellent. Chloe, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you for telling us about how you bravely started a company in the middle of a global pandemic and sharing all of your experiences. I think I speak for everyone out there listening. We'll be following along with Doozy to see if we can start using it to reinvent uh, the way our teams interact with each other in the future. Joel, that sounds really exciting. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing you all on the platform. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. 
Thanks for listening to the podcast, guys. Be sure to share the word of product-led growth far and wide and let your colleagues, friends, family, neighbors, and anyone you think who would like to know that there's a kick-ass product podcast on offer from the product-led audience. If you haven't already, don't forget to sign up to the Slack community and check out all our other great content, upcoming events, and other ways to get involved at productledalliance.com. And let's come back again next time to talk more about the head, the heart, the product.